And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you got all that I need. Dimsey hits Davin Fee. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colin Coyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Garrity and meet of the football champions. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the We Are Mead podcast. It's the uh, first weekend of the National Football League, the Alliance National Football League, um, over and done with, and uh, I suppose Mead in a good position after the first weekend, top of the table. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Uh, on this week's show, uh, we will be discussing the All-County Football Leagues that took place this weekend as well. We'll have a preview or sorry a review of the Mead and Tipperary football match uh, played in Park Tolchin as I said in the Alliance Football League and we'll have a look back at Mead and Mayo um, who uh, played each other in the Hurling on the weekend in the Alliance League. We'll also maybe have a quick look at the table, we'll preview the Donegal game that's coming up this weekend uh, to uh, Mead travelling to Bally Buffet but delighted on the podcast to be joined by the three amigos, we've got Kieran Flynn, we've got David Rispin and we've got Brian Kelly, lads, thanks so many for coming back in. No bother. Great to be here. So enthusiastic. <laughs> um, I suppose, lads, what we'll do first is we'll run down through the All County Football League results. Results that stuck out for you or stand out for you, we'll have a look at them and then we'll come back and uh, review the, the Mead and Tipperary game from the weekend because we know that was a, an exciting game of football and uh, a good start to the league for Mead. So I suppose we'll start with the Division 1. All County Football League. Dunboyne, two goals and 14, screen seven points. Rathout, two seventeen, Wolf Tones, two nine. Navin O'Matney's two thirteen, Old Castle, six points. Summerhill, one twelve, Nafina, six points. Dunshockland, one six. Dunamore Ashburn, one four. Sounds like a cracker, that one. Wynalvi, eight points. Sidden, eight points. And Gail Column Kill, one goal and 12. Simonstown, seven points. So, lads, just looking down through those results, I suppose. The first one that I'd be looking at is the first one we mentioned. It was Dunboyne against Screen. Uh, Dunboyne, a massive victory here against Screen, 214 to seven points. Last year's league winners uh, in Screen against the championship winners of last year. And uh, Dunboyne would have more t- players on that Mead panel than Screen. So Dunboyne starting off the year with intent, I suppose, Kieran. Yeah, just kind of run to the county players in my head and maybe Derek Campion maybe for screen, obviously. Yeah, huge He's player a, for screen. But at the same time, that's a big, that's two goals and seven points, which is 13, obviously. That's serious scoring in January. Are you a maths teacher? No. No, you should be. I know, I, I, very quick there off the mark, wasn't I? <laughs> but like, that's kind of serious scoring for this time of the year, to score 16 times. Uh, it's, hard to know, it's hard to know who's been training the longest. Like Some teams would have been coming in December, like, Remember we said last year, St Vincent's Ardcat never stopped training, so yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. what Screen have done, or St Peter's like today, because they had the rating on Leinster. It's a statement of intent, I suppose, from Dunboyne. Did any other results in the division? league final, though, was it the year previous? They've always had a good run in the league, St Peter's. And yeah, like, so oh, absolutely, but like when you see the league winners of last year, of 2018, mm. taking on the championship winners of uh, uh, 2018, and, and the, to be such a golf, it just shows that Dunboyne, Already, um, maybe it's their year again. It's, it's yeah, marked. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, you wouldn't bet against them, uh, David. Any uh, games in Division One that stick out for you? Um, I suppose sitting going to Manalvi first round. You know, sitting intermediate team coming up from Division Two to go to Manalvi. I know I depleted Manalvi, but to get a point there is a very good result for them. Another one is just Kells. Um, I know there would have been full trackle and full strength as opposed to Simonson probably yeah. missing a couple of lads, but that's a serious win for Kells. Um, they'll be sort of in the same mould as Dunboyne look at the start as they mean to go on so uh, great win for the Kells lads yeah, they love the league they love the league <laughs> but they, they love all competitions yeah. they give all competitions the respect that they deserve <laughs> I have to say that one about the Kells lads and Brian did any of the other results 
for you in Division 1 stand out? I think um, Summerhill beating the FINA by 9 points in a local derby like mm. you get local derbies can be generally tight tense affairs but like 9 points is a fair victory especially missing Dardis and like to be sure no, to be sure right. a couple of lads there maybe haven't just come back yet but on the other hand for Nathena Jamie Queenie came off the bench in the second half and it's great to see a fella like that on the comeback trail mm, yeah um, for me I think Navin O'Matney's a uh, huge victory there over Old Castle O'Matney's been struggling the last couple of years and uh, Old Castle just recently promoted to Division 1 as well um, you know I, I think Navin O'Matney's maybe starting to stop the st- stem the tide mm. and, and start to rise again so watch out Navin O'Matney's could be back on on the road to success uh, in Division 2 uh, Radkenny uh, took on Nobber in a local derby 110 to Radkenny 17 to Nobber Balnebracky 12 points St Michael 7 St Pat's 16 Curraha 9 points Trim 12 points Dundery 7 uh, Meath Hill 8 points Delic Bellius 10 8 points St Colum Kills 210 Centralstown 10 points and Carner Ross 5 goals and 7 points Bective 11 points so um, I suppose Brian we'll go to you this time uh, any of those results stand out for you? Well I was at the Centralstown Colum Kills match and Kills brought in 3 of last year's minor team who were in the county final and all three of them played very well and it's great to see young lads coming through and getting the chance mm. and taking the chance yeah. a lot of young lads can get the chance and they can be overawed coming into adult football initially but they really they took it and they drove it on yesterday were Central Stone missing any players for that? Ah, we were short up on 10 players like, but still you can only play what's in front of you yeah absolutely David did you uh, any of them stick out for you? yeah the Carner Ross result yeah. is huge as well I think coming up from Division 3 they came up via the playoff last year the relegation promotion slash playoff um, and to come up and put I think 5 goals past Bective, a strong enough Bective team Saturday yeah. afternoon was very impressive uh, they'll be there thereabouts you'd imagine come September or October for the Junior Championship Mr Flynn yeah, the trim results, uh, according to John Andrews, the club hero, the club hero of the year last year, he said it's the first win in eight years in the first round for trim. So they've always had a slow start. So they're obviously hopefully putting themselves maybe one hand of the intermediate. I think they were definitely one team that would be disappointed how they finished their championship last year. Longwood were deserving winners of the championship, but I think trim probably left an awful lot behind them. So they probably look to get promoted in that league and make a statement for championship yeah I'd agree I think that that's the, that, that's the standout result for me especially Dundery with I don't think they've anybody involved with county panel this year do they mm, Paddy, maybe the Hurling Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Canelli has gone travelling Paddy, Paddy, oh Paddy Canelli has gone travelling so that's a big Martin loss yeah, to Dundery. yeah I think he is yeah, yeah. That's a, well, Paddy Canelli at midfield would be a huge loss to Dundery he would the, but Trim are, Trim are flying at the minute in terms of numbers mm-hmm. training they're training the hurlers and the footballers together they did a warm up and then they think they finish off maybe together. And then and the likes of Douglas and, and Toher when they come back from the hurling panel, even Neely Heffernan and they come back play a bit of football. They like their championship team be even stronger again. Yeah. They get the intercounty hurlers back. Yeah, it'd be great to see Trim. They were uh, such a powerhouse in meat football for a long time. Just gone off the boil the last couple of years, but uh, who knows? Maybe this could be the year that we see them rise back up through the divisions. In Division Three, Ballinlock one five. Blackhall Gales 8 points a draw, Castletown 1 9, Waterstown 1 7, St Dalton's 3 goals and 9, Beliver 1 goal and 9 as David punches the air, Dunsany 2 goals and 12, Longwood 7 points, Minalty 316, Kilmainham 7 points, and St Vincent's uh, 11 points, Drumbarra 10 points. And I suppose we'll go to you, David, after that little dig. What's the standout result for you in that? Uh, yeah, division, I suppose a shot three? for the Ultons there against Beliver. <laughs> I know. Um, no, Vincent's for me to be beating Drumbara is a big result. I know Drumbara have had a good pre season and that, um, plenty training and that. Vincent's, we talked, Kieran just mentioned it there about what they did last year, and I think this year they did the same. They took a couple of weeks off after the championship and they were straight back into it. Ardcat is such a fortress for them really tough to beat on their own patch so that's a hell of a win for them and then you have to warm up down the road you run down yeah. the road and warm up on the old pitch it's mad but um, great facilities over there now and the club are just going from strength to strength Absolutely. Um, another win I suppose you'd have to say I know Longwood were missing 7 or 8 lads but Dunsany who are junior beating what's now a senior team in Longwood is um, as Kieran kisses the Dunsany badge <laughs> <laughs> Um Look at Longwood. Longwood were missing a lot of lads between hurlers and footballers, and they got a couple of injuries as well. 
but Dunsany will probably be a little bit disappointed with their year last year and they'll want to put it right this year and that's a really good start for them. Kieran, what one stands out for you? Would it be the Dunsany one? Well, just yeah, Dunsany. Or would you just say that that's uh, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill stuff? Well, uh, an 18-point to 7-point win. Just beating senior teams, to be, you know, it's easy enough. You know, to <laughs> play. No, For Dunsany, just only one, um, Declan Smith, one of our stalwarts and ex-mead footballer, he's going travelling, I think, in Australia now, so... I'm not sure if he has a return date in mind or it's... it's, it's was he available on the weekend? Yeah, he played and there was a bit of a party there in, in Crockett's Abective there yesterday right. for him to go. So he, he, we wish him well on this podcast. But I think Dunsany have the have the players. It's just a matter of clicking. Like, like I don't want to mention how many finals they've lost like over the donkey's years. And So they still hold the one against Van Labracki. I think in 1982 is the worst one they've ever lost. So <laughs> not that they're sour over it, but I think a lot of Clonmore Harps and Eden Derrymen might have been around the area at that time. But I'd say, we'll they, say, no more on I'd that. say they could count the hours as well as the days and the yeah. years and the awfully players since that game that, that, that they lost. But uh, Brian, I suppose, any of the matches there, any of the results stand out for you in Division 3? I think uh, Minaldi put up a huge score against um, Kilmainham. Yeah. I know Kilmainham are missing Mickey Newman, but like, Still, he's a massive he's, part of he's, that. He's, he's, a, he's a huge part of the team, but in an attacking sense, more so than a defensive. Yeah. So to put that score up, I think is huge. Yeah. And they have added, like, they have a couple of very good footballers there, Minaldi, and they've added a few good young lads in from mm. last year's minor team. And it just could be the fresh blood that they need to maybe take a step or two as a club, because they're well capable, I think, of making it, of going forward. Yeah, well, round two will. I suppose tell an awful lot in these leagues. So we're going to move on to Division Four. Clonmagill five goals and ten. Slain one goal and eleven. Kilmainham Wood three seven. Kilbride fifteen. A one point win there for Kilmainham Wood. Uh, Cortown two eleven. Boards Mill three goals and five. As David Risman once again punches <laughs> the air for his two clubs out there. <laughs> but I mean, um, Moylan ten points. St Bridget's one goal and six. And Drumcondra, 10 points. St Mary's, 3 points. And I suppose we go to you, Brian Kelly, first. Uh, any standout results in Division 4 for you? Uh, Drumcondra, 10 points. St Mary's, 3. I think Drumcondra give up home advantage to, to play that game under lights last <coughs> week. They had really an Anna Cerebralis last year. Larry McIntyre has come in this year. Looking at the team sheet, there was a lot of fresh faces that weren't there for the last year or two. So maybe Larry might get something stirring in Drumcondra. Mm-hmm. Like their first win in ten months or something, I think Peter mm-hmm. was saying that or learned at the Mead game that, was, and he he writes the match reports for them. Condor throws a good read on the Hogan stand, and the them Condor lads will obviously want to rejuvenate themselves because they had such a bad year and with Mead Hill across the the parish doing so well, maybe another amalgamation in the future. We never know. And uh, David Rispin, any of those Division Four results stand out for you apart from the? The Cortown win. Apart from that huge win, yeah. Your yeah. gag from talking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Were you playing yourself? I was, yeah. And what position did you play? Uh, corner forward. Okay, tell us how did it go? Went well. <laughs> Obviously, it's one or two goals. Like Cooper here what, how much of that 2-11 did you uh, pick off yourself? Uh, four. Four. Yeah. Many frees? None. None. Four yeah. from play. Nice one. So 2-7. Day 14 players? <laughs> <laughs> no, we ended up with 14. <laughs> Classic. Hells of frees. I won't mention him. <laughs> but he's alright. It was two yellows. Um, one result that does stand out, actually, is Kilmaine and Wood beating Kilbride. Um, and I know there was only a point in at the, in the end, but um, goals win games. Yeah, they played they played with the breeze in the first half, and they were actually eight points down. And anyone who played over the weekend will know how strong the breeze was anywhere. Uh, eight points down at half time, and came back. And as you said, goals win games. Got I think three goals in the last ten or fifteen minutes um, to to steal the game by a point. So that's a hell of a win for them. Kilbride are a real up and coming team. Loads of young lads. We've yeah. seen them playing in Avon. Uh, Winning the minor last year. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's a brilliant win for Kilmaine and Wood with uh, Mickey Rennix over them as well from Kells. Yeah. And the big one as well was the Northwest uh, El Clasico Mile and the Bridgets. <laughs> we talked about them playing the championship last year. I don't know how many were in attendance, probably close to three or 4,000, but I'd say it was massive crowd up there for Mile and the Bridgets. They love football up there. Yeah, I think it was a sellout, so it was up there. Um, the game seat, say, 10 people. Yeah, <laughs> that, that <would> be. <laughs> as always. <laughs> Look, it's great that the all county football leagues are back up and running, um, and uh, 
it's been a short break, I suppose, for a lot of clubs. Um, and uh, look, it's great. The clubs are back out on the road, back travelling the length and breadth of the county and following the Mead team. And speaking of the Mead team, I suppose, we better move on to uh, the Allianz nice League. There. Nice, yeah, yeah. nice little seamless yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. And while it was, you interrupted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now I can't go back to it because you interrupted it as well. But the, the Allianz League Division 2 table toppers, Mead took on Tipperary on the weekend. Mead coming away with a uh, four-point victory, uh, 15 points to a goal and eight. Um, they didn't have it all their own way, lads, uh, in Park Tolchin on the weekend, um, but a really good finish to the game. You've got some stats we'll go through now in a minute, Kieran. but David, um, looking down through the team, there was one change to the team. Shane McIntyre came in at midfield for Adam Flanagan, who who got injured, uh, I think it was at a training session, was it, uh, in the lead-up to the, to the game last week? Um, yeah, I believe so. And uh, Shane McIntyre came in, and in fairness to Shane McIntyre, it's like Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight yeah, Club. Yeah. <laughs> but like Shane McIntyre, we've known him as a wing back for Mead of the last number of years. Um, stepped in there at midfield beside Brian Menton and played very well. Yeah, worked his socks off from start to finish and chipped in with a point. I think it was Mead's first point from play as well in the game. Which set the tone for it. Um, look, at there was there was great performances all around. Probably more so in the defensive half of the field than the attacking half. And as a forward, we don't really like giving backs credit. Yeah. But uh, they, they were the they were the difference on Sunday because all six backs um, you couldn't you couldn't fault any one of them. I thought they were outstanding. Um, from start to finish and from listening to the interview with Andy McIntyre which we'll be playing in a couple of minutes time you know um, they they tackled and, and defended like Trojans but were on the wrong side of a few referees decisions as well for mm. he, he just Andy felt that the referee gave a few handy frees yeah. um, where, where Mead put in big tackles yeah the pressure was good all throughout and it looked as if Mead had done enough to get back and even in an attacking sense when Mead were attacking there was a few blatant frees one on Ben Brennan which springs to mind I think we did get a score off in the end that's not scurrying on the ground to get yeah. it back didn't he and Killian O'Sullivan as well but look at the penalty look extremely soft and at the time that could have been a game changer because as Andy said um, I think with an interview with Brendan Cummins we probably could and should have been 7-2 up at half time and we were only 2 points up I think it was 1-2 to 7 then at half time yeah it was so uh, after playing with the breeze but um, in, in fairness to me when the going got when, when the going got tough with 15 the minutes tough. to go <laughs> the <laughs> tough <laughs> gets going <laughs> no, uh, we, we were level pegging and then he had the, the bench to bring on you, Killian O'Sullivan, Graham Riley, lads like that to bring yeah. on, that just invaluable. And in fairness to Andy in previous years, we actually haven't had a bench like that to work with Sean Tobin, another man. To be able to call on these kind of lads with experience such as that um, is invaluable. And I think that was the difference on Sunday. Well, seeing as though we've spoken about Andy for so long, here is a clip of Andy McEntee speaking to the media after the game in Park Tolchin last Sunday. I think if anybody offered us that this morning, we'd uh, we'd jump at it. So uh, yeah, delighted for delighted for everybody. You know, there's a lot of a lot of efforts going into this, uh, no more than any other team. But a, a, a lot of efforts going into it, and uh, it's great to get off to a good start. Other positives would be the fact that you had uh, five, four players starting for the first time at this level, and another coming on as a sub as well. So that's vital, vital experience. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and in all fairness to them, I think they all they all equipped themselves fairly well. So. Uh, it's good to have uh, new faces coming on and adding a bit of energy and a, and a bit of enthusiasm uh, and, and genuine competition for places. But you, there'd be some aspects that you wouldn't be all that happy with. Uh, the fir- first half performance was disappointing. Uh, yeah, I won't get into an argument with you, Brennan, but I mean, the first half, you know, if we were in 7 2 at half time, you probably would have looked at it okay. I'm really not sure how the penalty came about. Uh, I think the claim was that we tripped somebody, so I don't get that. I think you think you take the penalty out of that 7 2 at half time, you go, you probably signed for that. Yeah, very strong breeze in the first half, but uh, didn't really make a huge advantage of it. Yeah, I think there was there was certainly opportunities to to put more scores on the board, uh, but I think defensively we looked uh, apart from that uh, scrummage for the for the goal. I think we looked, we looked uh, pretty solid. Uh, I thought midfield dealt really really well with with a strong midfield pairing from Tipperary. Uh, finishing could have been better, and I think that would have uh, made life a little bit easier for us overall. Uh, possibly the, the most positive or the happiest aspect of the performance was the defence. They restricted Tipperary's opportunities very, very well. 
Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Really happy for for Ronan Ryan. You know, for a debutant, he uh, he played like a like an old stager there in that, in that sweeper role. He he cut out a lot of ball, and I thought I thought he dealt with everything that came with him came to him pretty well. Uh, how important did you look on this game in the overall context of the league? This was really a do or die game more than maybe supporters thought as well. Oh, look, they're all do or die games. I mean, every game in this in this group. I was talking to Liam uh, before the game started and. He was just commenting on the, on the strength of this group, you know, the teams that came down, the teams that have come up. Uh, it's it's definitely uh, the strongest Division Two in the last three years. So every two points is a, is a vital two points. I don't know whether you heard the other results yet, but the results have pretty much gone two draws. So there are four teams down four points uh, as well, uh, as well as the two teams that were beaten. So it's it's uh, not a bad way to start off the campaign for Mead. Yeah, half full or half empty. There's also four teams with with a point. So I mean, you know, I, look at truth. Of the matter is, it comes down to us and how we perform against all those teams. So uh, interesting. It just goes to show how tight. I mean, we talked about how how tight the group is is likely to be, and yet we have we have uh, two draws. And I think Donegal had a tight enough win against against Clare. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. A mention of Donegal. You have them on Saturday night. That's the next big one, and that's that's a big ask. I, I think most people w- w- would say that there'd have to be a big step up on today's performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, look, I mean, you know, people can say what they like. The truth of the matter is we have to go up to Bally Buffet and, and try and get a result, which not many teams manage to do, whether it's in Division 1 or Division 2. So it's, it's a big ask for us, yeah. But better to be going on the back of a win. Much better, much better. <laughs> Winning makes it a little bit easier. Andy, were you concerned at any stage in the second half when they got back level with 15 minutes to go and I suppose the wind was kind of in their favour? Were you concerned at that stage? Ah, look, at, I mean, you know, a game, any game that's, that's, there's only a point in it or, or whatever, you, you've got to be concerned. I still felt we, we controlled the game for large periods. Uh, and I think when, when, we, uh, when we started to maybe have a real cut at them, we caused them a lot more trouble than they caused us. I think you know a lot of their scores came from, uh, you know, uh, maybe just bad handling or, or <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I thought there was a lot of frees that seemed to be given they for. They scored three points from play, which is yeah. an indication of how strong Mead defended, I suppose. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I thought some of our tackling was good. Uh, we we fell uh, victim of the referee on a couple of occasions, you know. But I mean, I think that's you're always going to be you're always going to be a little bit the wrong side of it at times, but. Thought defensively, we were we were pretty good overall. You kept a lot of strong players, probably more recognised players in reserve. Was it a conscious decision to try and finish the game with a strong team? I, I know you won't say that the team wouldn't be strong no matter who you brought on, but keeping those Graham Riley and Killian O'Sullivan in reserve. Ah, look at I mean again we go back to what what the younger fellas are bringing and the newer fellas are bringing to the to the squad. I mean they're in there because. They put their hands up in training and in, in uh, the pre-season matches. They put their hands up to say, "Pick me," and uh, they got picked on 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 their on their performance. Uh, the fact that we have the likes of Killian and Graham and, and and players like that to come in and Sean Tobin to come in, it's it's just a healthy competition. That's that's good for everybody. Is that the toughest game coming up now next weekend? Do you think, Andy, of, of the entire league, away to Donegal? Well, it's definitely the toughest one next weekend. So, I mean, I, I, look, they're all tough. I mean, you can see it out there. I mean, it, it, they are all tough games. So, uh, I suppose on paper, people would say going up to Bally Buffet to play Donegal is a tough assignment. Mm. Attitudes com- compared to the game against Tipperary last year, the attitude was bang on today, wasn't it? It's the O'Burn Cup helped and, and a lot of fresh faces in as well. It's, it's really. Yeah, look at the attitude. I mean, I've I've rarely complained about the fellas' attitude. It's it's spot on. It's it's exactly where we wanted it today. Might have been a little bit of nerves early on, but that's that's only to be expected because it's it's important to them. I mean, they're not nervous. They don't realise what's going on. So, uh, I would say you know, attitude was very good today and. Like you said there, or somebody said, you know, point down or point up with maybe 15 minutes to go and a strong breeze, playing against a strong breeze. If the attitudes weren't good, we wouldn't have come through that game. So uh, I, think, I think that's where, where it showed up. 
So that was Andy McIntyre uh, uh, just talking to the local media, um, Brendan Cummins and Fergal Lynch from from uh, the Mead Chronicle. Um, fortunately, I wasn't able to make it to the game. I was in Galway uh, working on the radio for the for the Cavan match, but I was following the Mead game. Uh, Cavan <laughs> lost by two points to Galway, so that it's it, always um, nice chicken and the neighbours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the noisy ones too, especially the noisy neighbours. But uh, we'll bring it back. Look, if you want to hear more about that, you can go to the We Are Me no, We no, Are no. Cavan podcast. But this is a We Are Mead podcast, so we're going to stick with all things Mead. Um, looking down through the team, Kieran. Um, you know, there's a few lads that are, are, are making debuts, I think, on the team, um, National Football League debuts, and a few lads that got their chance in on the team. I think Ronan Ryan would be one, would that be right? Yeah. Brilliant, um, uh, Niall, Niall Kane, Kane um, Ethan Devine, Ethan Devine and, and Dara Campion. So you have four debutants on that team. And Owen Lynch got about 10 seconds. Yeah, just enough to shore up the defence at the end, though. Yeah, like, you know... We've been crying out for some of these younger lads to come in to the team and whatever, and they they they, they don't disappoint when they get in. You know, okay, Nathan Devine was a little bit quiet, quieter than usual, but worked the socks off, and that left it that uh, Andy McIntyre had the likes of Graham Riley, Killian O'Sullivan, and Sean Tobin to come in and finish out a game for you. Yeah, because uh, tactically, if you follow Andy McIntyre's teams over the years, he's always had very industrious wing half forwards. Like uh, he's always kind of encouraged them to work the hardest, to work up and down the field. So it's no surprise that both of those wing forwards were taken off. They worked extremely hard. But I think uh, kind of a, an attitude in modern football nowadays is that you actually finish with your strongest team as opposed to starting it. So I think from a lot of feedback from talking to people, it seems that the team that finished was stronger than the team that started. But then when you look at our scoring time and that near the end, we scored a few points at the end to kind of to make sure to nail down the victory. I think that's very important. Like you always talk about the Dublin senior team and what they do, they bring lads on near the end, and the engine just gets kicked up another notch. And mm-hmm. I think that the young lads at the start, they played well. The likes of Ronan Ryan, Derek Campion is so tricky. Some of it, the kind of the faint soloing, half the crowd were kind of in gasp and is he going to kick it? Is he going to kick it? And nobody knew. I don't think he knew himself he was going <laughs> to kick it. But like when he took the score, then it was brilliant. Yeah. So I think a lot of lot of kind of. Looking forward to seeing these lads develop. You know? Well, like Fergal Lynch as well from the from the Me Chronicle, he points it out there in the um, in the interview that the attitude towards the Tipperary game this year was different to the attitude oh. towards the Tipperary game last year. Different landscape. It was like a different sport. Like we were just the attitude was so much more positive. And again, maybe we talked about Colin Nally, but he's not the only reason. Like the players themselves are looking up, the heads up, enthusiasm is just kind of infectious in the squad compared to last year. Last year was some kind of like a death march or something that was desperate. There was no kind of life. This year it was just buzzing and the, the, the players coming into the game were even smiling and stuff and that's not something that maybe did last year as much. Like. Yeah, I was impressed by the way we seen the game out actually. Yeah. And just off memory, the two games that obviously spring to mind are Donegal and Throne in recent years when we've gone down to a point defeat and we probably should have seen them something games I was out. going to bring up as well. Then, yeah, yeah, it was the way that when we were two or three points up towards the end there was no sort of panic. We just we just threw the ball around um, patiently you know waited our moments picked the area and got a score and look at the four point was to go four up was the insurance score at that stage but it was really impressive with five minutes to go when in other years we might have panicked we might have went for the jugular went up lost the ball and then been under pressure I thought they were very calm in their execution of you know seeing the game out and playing against a strong wind as well yeah before we go back to you Kieran, if you want to just pull out a few stats there in a minute just have a look down through yeah. those stats and, and pull out ones that um uh, that you'd like to bring up i'm going to go to brian kelly now brian uh, i suppose looking down through it as well uh, uh somebody who's back in the squad not a new player as such mickey newman scored seven points six of them from freeze one from play missed one free six out of seven that's a great return from your free taker that's a huge return. If you like a reliable free taker is worth so much on any team. Like, six well, you you brought it up already about the Calvin game. You asked me how did it go, and I want to just make a little comparison. In the the two teams, Calvin have a number of of, of free takers on the team, and they missed four frees against Galway mm. in the weekend. Mead of one free taker and Mickey Newman. Mm. He's your out and out free taker. He kicks six out of seven frees, and that's. That's that's like going back to Brian Stafford days. You know, it's you need a free taker. Same style as well, isn't it? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? You know? that, that's probably his percentages probably dropped a bit 
in the last year or two that he was on the panel. Yeah. I'd say more to do with injuries and not being able to practice kicking Maybe confidence as, as well, yeah. If you're yeah. not practicing them as much, you're not getting the routine and everything. But he took the year out. He seems a fresher player. Hungry. He's, he's shown leadership. Yeah. He was always available for the pass on, on Sunday, which when you're playing inside and you can be bottled up because tip it an extra defender was back. there any advanced marks no, uh, taken none, none, no no advanced marks taken in the, in the mid game no, no. Okay. Um, actually in the five between, our, between yeah. our Bourne Cup and League that's five games now we've scored one point off, off an advanced mark yeah but we the, the, there's been a good few advanced marks caught but not the shot taken mm. they've, they've played on yeah, the that's something that and, and, and do you know what that's something that like if you looked at the Monaghan game the Monaghan Dublin game you know, towards the end of that game, Conor McManus, he got two um, two advance mark scores where he took the mark. Mm. And it's a great way of, if, if the, like, you can see that Monaghan have worked on that. Mm. And I, I think that, you know, with the with personnel that Mead have in the forward line, it's something that they should probably work on as well, yeah. is, is, is taking that advance mark. They might, but then they might say, we don't want to work on it too much because you're playing with one set of rules for the league. And it's another set of rules for the championship. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like, I think Jim Gavin might have said that after the Dublin game yesterday. They're not going to concentrate too much on these new rules mm-hmm. because they're only in for seven games. In, in, but in, say, in saying that, I think the league is far more important for a Mead yeah. than it is for Dublin. Absolutely. Because yeah. we, we're striving to get up to Division 1, whereas Dublin, look, at, they obviously want to win the league and they're probably going to still be in the semi-finals come, come that stage at the league. But... Yeah, it's something that probably we, we'd like to see a little bit more of with the type of forward line we have. Well, I think probably the most important thing at the minute is, and there was the signs of it yesterday, we only conceded three points from play. Mm. If the, you can the, the, Pick out your like, best without, defenders on the day. Without having loads of lads back, which sometimes was the case previously, Yeah, you managed to limit... A, good, a talented... So who, who, were your, who, were, who were the defenders that, you, that stood out for you? Oh, there's probably four. Which it's unfair yeah. to leave two. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought Seamus Lavin was excellent. He's he, he he's is. just continuing that level of form, and it's yeah. He's, he's a seven, he's a eight out of ten player yeah, week really in week out now. Connor McGill was very good again yesterday, and then I thought James McEntee and right. You, I'll tell you what. You know what here's you a better idea. Over. Here's a better idea. I'm going to go through and Ro- goalkeeper Ronan Ryan actually as well. In fairness, Goal- sorry, Squeeder. <laughs> goalkeeper through to uh, number seven. We'll give them marks out of 10. Andrew Colgan, lads, how did he do it? Kickouts wise, um, did he give any away? Was there. There was a, there was a little bit. Of, no, kickouts were, kickouts were very good, actually, particularly second half when he went short. But there was, um, one, high there ball, was one high ball that he kind of fumbled at or flapped at in the first half. redeemed himself by saving the rebound. Yeah. So out of 10, what would we give him? What would be the consensus? Well, kickouts, I'd probably give him a 7. 7, yeah. yeah I didn't think. Okay. Seamus Lavin, you say he was. I really gave Lavin an 8. An 8. Conor McGill, Kieran. slightly below Seamus. He'd have to be seven, but he did. He wasn't troubled by anything. Right, just seven, solid. Seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah. Ronan Ryan, lads. Eight. Eight. Then James McIntyre. Eight. 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 He'd be probably an eight point five because his attacking probably yeah. sets him apart. I think he was a man of the match, wasn't he? Really. Yeah. James McIntyre. Yeah. Oh, you have to give him a nine. Then he has We're to be above everybody so far. Does anybody equal as nine? <laughs> Donald Kogan. Eight. He was a solid eight. There was one moment. Niall Kane. There was one moment just on Donald Kogan where he. I was just joking in the dugout, I was saying, uh, we're under a bit of pressure here, just let Don run with the ball. Yeah. And he actually just kept running. And nobody kind of went near him for a while, and he ran the guts of 40 yards. Straight, straight line yeah. running, three or four times, cut through the middle. And Kyogen is so so intelligent that he knows exactly where the runners are yeah. and exactly when is yeah. the right time to slip it off to the so legs. And, and we scored. So we scored. So yeah, right, Newman. yeah, 100%. So he, I was actually a bit of a laugh. He just kind of went in a jog, and he just went. Boom. And then the last minute, like three quarters... Up the field, class. Niall Kane. <laughs> seven. Seven? Oh, I, yeah, seven and a half, maybe. I thought oh, we didn't have to, we didn't agree. I, I, oh, I, did we not know? I, I wanted did. to, I wanted to. We I didn't just, agree, I threw one in anyway. You know, like, it's... <laughs> I was of that. Like, if, if that's your defence and nobody's Point getting five, uh, nobody's getting lower than a seven, yeah. you know, that's, but, that's really good When you good only concede three points from play, yeah. you concede one eight, the penalty is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Like... You can't give anyone less than a seven. Player fell over Ethan Devine, was it? Yeah, Ethan Devine slipped and your man fell over his leg. Like, accidental was trip was what it was given for. Like, can you give a penalty for a fella falling over? It's a bit harsh. Well, it, the, well, what I thought as well, accidental, the actual defining the rule book that an accidental free 
like it shouldn't be a card but it's actually half the time you're supposed to give the consideration to the players not to give the free like I mean for accidental like you couldn't say that his intent was to trip no. like it was just a coming together like I it's, didn't. it's very tough though to differentiate like what's accidental and yeah, what's that's the problem. you see it in soccer the whole time as well you know what what is an accidental trip or a Look, foul or in the heel of the hunt it didn't have an overall no. impact on the game Thank so God. Yeah. we won't complain about it too much no absolutely not what we'll do is we might move on um, and we're going to go to David Risman now so there's just one thing on the stats so we're kind of talking oh yeah no no stats. no I'm going to come back to the stats right. I'm going to come back to the stats but some of them were used already so we don't um, well you can, you can run through them again Brian uh, Brian Kelly did the defenders first so it's only fair that we go to uh, David Risman for the forwards um, Ethan Devine how what, what would you rate him uh, I thought he was quiet to be honest uh, i Probably have to give him a six. I know okay. that's probably harsh. But, no, it's um, it's still above average. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Ben yeah. Brennan, uh, seven probably. Ben was very good. I thought. Um, Ben's a great worker. Yeah. He he sets the defensive work rate from the half hour line. Yeah. Nobody gets out. And even when he was taken off, he was given out one stage. They're after getting the last three kickouts. Yeah. Donald, get them organised. He was nearly acting yeah. as though the manager from the dugout. Get yeah. them organised. Yeah, get them so passionate. passionate yeah, about yeah. It. Mickey Burke, uh, six. I'd he was say. quiet, was yeah, he? Yeah, he was quiet. The game probably just didn't have time. Yeah, Killian Sullivan, come on. There's, See, it's there's defensive. They're, remember, I said like they're the, they're the defensive dirty. So there's there's games that suits Mickey, and there's games that aren't. Look at in the first half, we had the wind, and um, we probably had to go for the juggler a little bit more than we would have. You know, had we had we been defending in the second half against the lead and stuff, so it, the game probably didn't suit Mickey. There will be games that will, but horses for horses. Tip, Tipperary previously had kind of gone man for man in games, but yesterday they had an extra player back, which probably didn't suit Mickey. Mm. So yeah, but against that's, the wind, but, they were all but that's why player back. It was probably an intelligent move then at half time to make the switch. And bring Killian O'Sullivan on, which well, Killian to be a ball carrier yeah, as but well. It also, against the it also forced them to get an extra player, an attacking threat to worry about, mm. which I thought really worked. Uh, Darrell Campion on his debut, uh, he started very well and, and sort of faded. I, I, do, I know you don't want to give us five point fives, but I'd say six and a half, six point five, seven, seven. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's Mick, a maths teacher. That's yeah. If it's a half, you round it you up. Round you round it up. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just Mick, checking there. Mickey Newman, eight, eight. Yeah, and then Tomas O'Reilly, uh, seven. I'd say seven. Borderline eight. Borderline so seven. the he highest. Was, he was our top scorer from play. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. What number would you give yourself this morning? Oh, 10. <laughs> 11, no, no. <laughs> but, like, I, I suppose, like, that's not a, a, a terribly bad bar for those players to set themselves. You know what I mean? Like, going into the, going into the next uh, few rounds of the National Football League. Um, the substitutes when they come on, Killian O'Sullivan? Yeah, seven. Seven. Um, Graham Riley? Mm, seven, probably. Got yeah. a great score when yeah. he first came on, and that Tobin. sort of lifted everything. Six. Didn't have enough time to impact, maybe. And I think, oh, and then the midfielders, Brian Menton. Well, it was all Lynch, Bobby, 10. For when he came on, he shored up the defence in the 10 seconds he was there. He got a mark <laughs> a second. But, like, it's probably game management or clock management, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Brian Menton. Well, Brian, the two lads in the middle, we'll, Shane. We'll go well, to uh, Brian first. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, one the of them. The captain. Yeah. <laughs> the captain, I think. Again, I did thought, they dominate midfield? I thought they did. Yeah. The kickouts, not too many clean catches, but a lot of breaking to our players. Intentional yeah. fists down. So, so Brian Mountain. I give him a seven. Seven. And then Shane McIntyre. I give him an eight. I think he, he was one of the better players of the day. Yeah, like that. that like when you look or through the scoring there, deserved. when you look through the scoring for, 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 for the 15 and the subs that were used, uh, you know. The lowest we've given is a six, and that was Eaton Devine, who who just had an off day. But like, not it's not that he had a bad game. He just maybe the game was just passing him by a little bit. He well, worked his socks off as a half, like, yeah, and he's making his debut. It can take a fella time to find his feet at that level, and he hadn't featured much in the Auburn Cup either. Well, what we might do then, right? Because we've kind of we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna keep these. Uh, scores as a kind of a bar set for these for these players for themselves, and uh, what we'll do is we'll compare their 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 scores each week week on week um, and see if they're 
progressing or if they're if they're falling back and whatever. And then we'll hand it over to Andy yeah, and say, yeah. here, look, Andy, we've scored all your players. But um, yeah, does the manager get a rating? I think that'd be a good one for you, maybe, if they ban a store a rating. Managers don't get rated, so they don't. Definitely not. They just get they get hired and fired. That's all. Well, right, Brian Cody got man the match. <laughs> well, that's true. No, come here. I thought Andy did well though with his tactics. I think he did have things sewn up, and the substitutions were were good. I'll mention every sub that came in added extra yeah. energy and yeah. they were just the boost that the team needed. Timing yeah. as well as the substitutions were brilliant. Yeah, I think people actually on social media were, were giving out about the, the manager saying that he didn't start his best team, but I made that point already about finishing with it. But I thought his tactics and his but his management was yeah, quality. On unless the, you're involved in the team either, though, you, you never know. Like We don't know who was kind of knock going into yeah. the game. Where some of the lads on the bench, were they fit enough to start? Mm. Like, you never know well, that. No. At the end of the day, you're delighted that you finished with such a strong team and you saw the game out at a time when uh, Tipperary were after coming back and levelling with, with Mead and then Mead kick on and score five points to their one in the last ten minutes. You know, like So um, the substitutions, great to have them coming on. The likes of Killian Sullivan, uh, Graham Riley, Sean Tobin, all these big big names in Mead football over the last number of years. Now, that's a seamless link again. Uh, you talk about the, the tactics and the whole lot. You've got the statistics there beside you. If, do you want to pull out a few that stand out for you from just, the statistics? The, the, the scoring game? statistics are always interesting. And naturally, we were the winners and we, we were the better shooters. Total shots for Mead, we had 23 total shots. Scored 15 of them, which is 65% of our scores. And out of that, from play, there was 15 from play. We scored 8, which is 53%. And then thankfully to Michael Newman and Killian O'Sullivan scored one. We had eight shots from dead ball and we scored seven, which is 87%, which is brilliant. Mm. And then in comparison... What was the one before that that you said? From play was 53%. 53%. So that's eight from okay. 15. And then for Tipperary, their total shots, they had 16 total shots, scoring nine, which is 56%. And then from that, the shots from play, they only had eight from play, which is nearly half of what we had, only scored three, which is 37%. Means they were under yeah. a lot of pressure, and then their it. dead balls they had eight dead balls as well, scoring six, which is 75 percent. Well, that that's the that stat there now of, of Mead scoring average or scoring percentage of 65 percent. That's excellent, you know. If you can get that up to 70 percent, and if you've 70 percent accuracy in every game, there's not a lot of games that you'd, you'd lose. You've another one there for us, you've got a score line, uh, the scoring timeline, is it? Yes, it's only it's interesting that in the middle pocket of the first half we scored point number two, three, four, and five uh, to go up to five one ahead. Then Tip got their their second points, and then we scored six. So we were six two up before when they got the penalty. So like uh, Andy made the point in his interview that regarding or sorry without the penalty we were cruising. Like it was only the penalty really put them back into it. So. I'm looking, at the, first half. looking at the timeline in the first half. Mead are regularly scoring. They're, they've gone maybe seven minutes at the most without scoring a point. But in the second half from the timeline, there is a, a gap from around the eight minute to the, about the 21st minute, uh, which is a 13-minute gap. And that's something... That and Tip scored four times and that four time. times yeah. in that in that in that thirteen minute spell, and that's something that I am sure that Andy will 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 uh, will have a look at and be worried about is that that thirteen minute spell when we didn't score, they scored four. But absolutely, yeah. Then the counter argument for that, I suppose, is that we scored another five points after that in the remaining what 14, 15 minutes, mm. and I suppose it's symptomatic of what's gone on in the last couple of years with me that. You know, probably in the Mick O'Dowd era, we were starting games so well and dying a death then towards the end and giving up big leads, whereas now we seem to be actually finishing games stronger than we're starting them, Brilliant. which is a great trait to have. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it earlier on as well about playing um, uh, Tyrone last year and Donegal the previous year, losing out to both of them, both of those Ulster teams in the, um, qualifiers, in the qualifiers, and both of them by a point. So while... We know that Mead have been in transition over the last number of years. They were two Division One teams that they lost to in uh, in the qualifiers um, by a single point. And maybe it's now that we're starting to see that, you know, they closed the gap on the Division One teams in those qualifying matches and really gave it everything. Still weren't able to get over the line. But now we're starting to maybe see, as you said, the final 10 minutes that they're starting to be able to, I suppose, close out those games. And, and you wouldn't fear them against a Donegal or a Tyrone 
in the last 10 minutes of a game if they were close. Yeah, it's a, it's a great habit to get into, um, to, to, to see games out in the last 10 minutes and to actually push on and win games in the last 10 minutes. Like Tipperary, people will say Tipperary or Tipperary or whatever. Realistically, I know you have links to Cavan, but Tipperary should be playing Division 1 football this year because they, they, they snatched it off Cavan on the last day last year. Mm-hmm. So they might feel, look, at Liam Kearns will probably be delighted they're in Division 2 because he, he feels that Division 2 is a lot more competitive this year than it was last year. And they have their star man in Quinlevin to come back. But Tipperary are still an awesome side and they will take points off teams in and around the top of the table, definitely, particularly in Thurles. Perhaps not on the road, but in Thurles, they're a really good side, as we seen last year in the league. So um, that that's been that, put to bed, thank God. Now. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> gone. But, bed, but that's yeah. a huge win for me. I suppose. Uh, but before we move on, what we'll do is we'll we'll pre- preview the Donegal game in a few minutes' time. But before we move on, looking at the table now, lads, um, Mead are sitting on top. Yeah. You had the results from the weekend were Mead beat Tipperary, obviously. Cork and Fermanagh drew. Kildare and Armagh drew. And Donegal bet Clare. Um, it was tight going, wasn't it? It was a yeah. three-point win for Donegal in the end. They didn't have it their own way. No, now, yeah. Donegal are missing an awful lot of their uh, starting regulars, we'd say. But And they did kick seven wides in a row at the start of the second half. But the, wasn't the cleverest tactic, no? But the team that Donegal have, I spoke to you off-air a couple of weeks ago about it, they have unbelievable um, players coming through at underage level uh, over the last number of years. Like the scores for Donegal uh, on the weekend: Michael Langan four points, uh, Jason McGee three, Jamie Brennan three, Kieran Thompson two, Niall O'Donnell one, Owen Ban Gallagher a point, Hugh McFadden a point, and Quaylon McGonagall a point. You've no McFadden, you've no Murphy, <laughs> you've no McBrearty, you, you know McNeilis. None of them in there at the minute. So that is a team that's only going to get stronger, so it is. Like Hugh McFadden and Jason McGee were midfield there together and they scored four points. Yeah. And yet there's Donegal supporters who are at the game saying that McFadden didn't have a good game. Mm. Now, they were Mark, Gary Brennan was midfield for Clare and Gary Brennan is in Fantastic the top five or six midfielders in the country. Yeah. But that to get four points off your midfield is a hell of a return. Absolutely, you know, like so. Um, but uh, it's, it, I think for us going up Saturday night, um, it's probably the best time to face Donegal with the team. With the, sorry, with the guys they're missing. There's a guy in our club from Donegal. He's playing with us now, and he said, if, if that's the team that played Sunday, if that plays Saturday night, he says he'd be worried. Well, we'll come back to that in a couple of minutes anyway. So we will. Um, just as I said, the table. So uh, the interesting results from the weekend. Cork going up to Fermanagh and drawn with Fermanagh in Brewster Park. I heard about the, it was supposed to be one of the biggest stink fests of all time. There was, at, I think, at, at one stage, every single player was behind the ball. Is that even possible? Um, like a, I, 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 I'd say so. Yeah, the goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, the yeah, goalkeeper, I think there was a few supporters even in there. By, yeah. Everyone was behind the ball. It was I supposed to be awful. Declan Bogue did the report yeah, for was the Fortitude <laughs> And he was not very complimentary oh. of, of either team. No, he said no. Cork did the same. Yeah, that's, yeah. Cork are in transition, huge transition. But that's what you're going to be up against with both of them teams like this year is mass defences. For Manor, Brewster Park, I think it's the tightest pitch in the country for a county level. Park yeah. Horton, maybe. No, no, <laughs> Horton's not tight. Horton's far from a county yeah. pitch. <laughs> Well, it's, not, it's only about five, six miles. <laughs> but if you get bodies back, and we were in Nenniskillen a couple of years ago for meeting Fermanagh, when Fermanagh get bodies back, it's very hard. It to is break very them hard down. to break them down, and they're going to be they're going to be very hard beaten in Brewster Park this yeah. year. Like we're um, lucky, I think, that we have them in Navan. Yeah, Our man Kildare, um, again, an, another draw there. Um, and it was a comeback by Kildare, was it? It was a comeback yeah. by Kildare. Kildare short, something like eight of the fellas who started in the last championship game. Yes, mm. but Daniel Flynn is away yeah. travelling. And Brophy, is it, that's, man, that's injured? Paddy Brophy, yeah. Paddy Brophy, that's injured. Two massive players for, for, mm-hmm. for Kildare. Um, now, so Jimmy, is it Jimmy Highland has yeah. come in? He was excellent for the under-20s last year. He's somebody who I'm really looking forward to seeing, except the day to play us. Yes, <laughs> Kevin Feely at midfield, he went off injured, I think, yesterday as well. Yeah. Picked up an eye injury. So you wouldn't know maybe he could be out for a spell. So if Kildare lose a couple, any more bodies and they have a couple of away games maybe coming up, they could be in a spot of honour. I actually, uh, Bernard Flynn was on um, RT2FM last week. I don't know if Danny's picked it up, but he was interviewed and he was he spoke about all the teams in depth in Division 2. 
and he, he reckons that Kildare are actually they're a shadow of the team they were last year now he was going on the assumption of seeing them in the O'Brien Cup which is probably a little bit unfair but from what he's seen he didn't think they looked fit sharp in the games they played and I suppose look what they would have looked at Armagh at home I know Armagh are on the up but that would have been a winnable game for Kildare yeah. on paper Armagh are an improving outfit they have a couple they, are, of, yeah. they have Stephen Campbell back in the team he was missing last year Jamie Clark was back. Serious addition. Rean O'Neill was only on the bench yesterday, but a really talented forward. Like getting bodies like that back is a huge addition to any team. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said it in the podcast last the last day out, lads. Uh, Division two is going to be seriously tough. If you look at the scores from the weekend, you know there's four points. Uh, Mead's four point win is what What's has them top, yeah. on top of the table. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not an awful lot between those teams and it's going to be a, a very, very uh, interesting year. We're going to move on, Brian. I know you wanted to talk. We'll come back to it in a minute because we are pushing on in time. I just want to get the uh, result from the hurlers on the weekend. They travelled to Mayo, uh, to, to, to Turin in Balahadreen, I believe, or it's near Balahadreen. It's close to it, yeah. And they lost, or oh, they, they drew, drew, sorry, drew. they drew at Mayo uh, on the weekend. So... Probably not the result that the uh, we're going to go to our resident small ball um, analyst here, uh, Kieran Flynn. He's our uh, sorry, David Rispin. <laughs> and uh, what was the the, the feeling well, coming away from you? Just got a few uh, match reports and talk and on it, and hopefully you'll be reading the Chronicle uh, first thing in the morning. The the hurling hero Martin Hallerum was at the game and he was reporting from it. The basically there was a a bit of a win I think Mead actually went ahead for a good but I think upset was 7 or 8 points if not more to 11 I think yeah I think it could have been 11 and Mayo came back so it's disappointing Mead would like to be beating Mayo and they have the capability to beat Mayo quite easily but at the same time they're a proud Hurling County as well no more than ourselves they have both codes in certain pockets of the county like and uh, like Mayo are not a bad team so Mead uh, reeling probably from the injury of their captain Johnny Garrity who's been a great stowler for the team yeah. Maybe they, they, they want to get back and prove it to him. But they're playing Antrim now, an, another replay of the Christie Ring final on Sunday in Partholston. So they'll be mad to try and get... The, they would have tried to get Mayo and Antrim as the two the two uh, games to focus on the league because the Westmead in that league, it's going to be tough going now. Yeah, and that, that game is on Sunday in Partholston, yeah. round two. Yeah. Uh, at what time on Sunday? I think it's two o'clock. Two yeah. o'clock. So if anybody is out there... Who wants to go to watch the small ball? Me taking on Andrews. Well, just on that we. Our thoughts yeah, next. I know it's safely going back. We had the massive uh, success with the bring a ball campaign at the weekend, getting the kids on the field, and there'd be bring a hurl in Partholston on Sunday. So for all the kids, get their hurls and helmets on them and go out there and play. You, can, you can bring a slitter as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's, no, you don't need that. Just practice tackling. There'll be plenty of room on the field, so bring your slitter and bring your hurley <laughs> out onto the field and, and uh, flake each other. And flake each other, all three of you. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, it's a great initiative in fairness by by Mead. Um, I know they're getting they're getting an awful lot of slack on 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 social media. Well, not an awful lot. They're getting more positive than than slack. But there are a few people saying, "Oh, we've been doing that for years and whatever." Mead are just saying that it's allowed. That's all they're doing. That they're saying, "Go on ahead, out just go, bring your hurls, bring your footballs, and get out in the pitch at half time and, and, and flake each other." They love a bit of flake. Yeah. So, yeah. Lads, we preview the Donegal team, the Donegal game before we finish up. Um, we're here in uh, McRyan's in uh, Navan, in the centre of Navan Town, Ryan's Pub, and we want to thank McRyan for uh, uh, giving us this room to do our podcast. He's always very hospitable, and of course, he's a, a proud Mead man and a proud uh, GAA man, um, huge man out there on screen. The sponsor that he, put, he always puts an advert in the programme. So it was a very strong supporter, me and GA, like, and as you said, that can't be, that can't go unknown. Absolutely, he's a massive yeah. supporter. He's a massive supporter of of, of me, GA. So I suppose Donegal next weekend, lads, Saturday evening, um, seven o'clock in Bally Buffet. Um, we we'll go to you, David. First, do you see many changes to the starting uh, team for next weekend? I think there will be a couple. Yeah, I'd imagine obviously the backline, goalkeeper backline, midfield, it'll, it'll probably stay the same. I, if I was putting money in it, I reckon Killian O'Sullivan and Graham Riley could come in for Ethan Devine and Mickey Burke. That'd, they'd be my two changes. Um, after that, I think the full forward line will probably stay the same. Um, yeah. Brian, what about you? Do you see um, Adam Flanagan if he comes back from his injury getting in ahead of Shane McIntyre after having such a great game on the weekend? Um, not necessarily. I think him, Andy. We were after praising him there for having a strong bench to bring on so he might hold Adam Flanagan in reserve because Donegal had Liam McLoon to bring in 
for the last 20 minutes yesterday. Yeah. So Flanagan could be an ideal man to bring in if to match McLuhan. Big, strong, physical individual. They'd be well... like To see them going up against each other could be well worth the €20 Euro in for the last while. Um, I don't see many changes... I could see Park Harnan maybe coming into the panel. Team, great to team possibly Harnan not, back. but by all accounts, he was very good for an Alvi yesterday against Sydney. Kicked three points, two frees of forty-five. Um, you could see him coming in. Maybe he could come in and do a job for a while in that hard-working wing forward role to track maybe someone like Owen Bond Gallagher on his forward runs or Ryan McHugh or Thompson or. There's a lot of players yeah. that Mead are going to have to look out for on the weekend, I suppose, just as I mentioned that. Kieran, who do you think are the main threats, or do you know much about the Donegal team at the moment? Well, only it's more the lads they're missing. Kind of from, from what I've read, the people I would have known in the panel are the ones they're missing. So that gives me a slight air of confidence in the fact that the Guido lads won't be there, some of the heavy hitters are there. So I think Mead, the Mead team and the Mead supporters have to be said to themselves, if we're going to get Donegal, we want them early in the league, and that's rough them. Yeah. Them up in I think it's a massive test for Mead, but I don't think that the that that uh, the year is hinged on it because no. I think that if I think beating Donegal would be a bonus because I do think that Donegal are going to beat all the other six teams yeah. um, uh, in the division. So if we can beat Donegal, that puts us in a great position. I don't. So what I'm saying is, is that if they, if they're going to beat every other team and they beat us, that means that you may as well mark that game off. Mm, Do you know yeah. what I mean for everybody? Because be everybody's going to be doing that. A, so if you could get it, if you could get a point or get your two points, it won't be easy. Um, Donegal are a tough side. Um, as I said, they've got serious strength and depth. I was talking to a few lads uh, only a couple of weeks ago who, in the media who were saying that they reckon it's probably the second best squad in the country. When you look at all the players they're missing at the moment, but the fellas they brought in, the likes of Michael Langan, Jamie Brennan, who's, who's making his two, way into two that Two-footed, team. pacey, yeah. really good footballer. Kieran Thompson, Niall O'Donnell, Owen Bond Gallagher, who's making his name in there now as well. Quaylen McGonagall. You know, Kieran Thompson, and, uh, J- Kieran Thompson, Jamie Brennan and Michael Langan are three fantastic footballers that would make it onto any squad mm. or any team in the country. Two years ago in the league, the Thompson score maybe three or four points in a row in a string of games, but like they weren't tap over points. No, they're all, all 35, 40 metres out. Yeah. He's a wonderful left foot. Yeah, unbelievable. He can and he can kick them from from out on the sideline, yeah. 45 metres out, which as the crow flies is maybe about 50 metres to the goal. So that's a that's a big big uh, task for me. I, you'd be hoping like Ireland are playing England in the rugby on Saturday afternoon. We don't talk about foreign. No, sports. no, but. Get the Mead supporters, get up early, there's a hotel beside the ground, go in and watch the rugby. Oh, you got a few pounds off the hotel, yeah. there you go, now you know. The, uh-huh. the club stayed on a training weekend a few yeah. years ago. But go up early, watch the rugby, come in and support, get behind the Mead team then. There's no, don't use the rugby as an excuse not to go up to Bally Buffet. Don't you worry. Can, you can do both. <laughs> um, no, and it's a grand, it's a great little town, um, Bally Buffet, and uh, the pitch itself, it's a lovely little uh, set cool in the whole lot. Yeah. yeah. It is indeed, but uh, I suppose m- looking at it if, uh, from the stats that you've given us there already, sixty-five percent score rate from shots to scores. I think if they up that and they can get over seventy percent against Donegal, and get closer to, to seventy-five, I think they'd beat Donegal. Yeah, if they can get that, it'd be serious scoring. Unless we have only four shots, it yeah. wouldn't be. But that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we, Three out of four. Yeah. If yeah. we if we get a good few shots in, like. Since we had so many, like to get 15 scores, like if we could up that again, maybe to 20 scores, wouldn't that be wonderful? And get up to around that 70 mark. I think we have the forwards to do it. Like, like at the likes of Graham Riley coming on the sub, such a luxury when other years we might have to first day of the league. You're saying if Biggie doesn't score four, we're going to lose. Yeah. And we're probably not at that stage, and that's not a slight on his ability. But no, it just means that we've brought in other fellas yeah, who can do scores. He can come on well. now with a fresh bit of legs and with a bit of gas in the tank and just bombard like. He scored a point straight away, pretty much mm. when he came on. I think I, I barely had him on on the Twitter, and he's already got the score. So he and that was just after Tipperary yeah. had scored a fourth point in a row. So, so he's great for that kind of ballistic, kind of full body. Bam, get the point or get two points. In he's a got shot. explosive speed, and I suppose it's, it's it's the right thing to do is to hold him off. Don't like as uh, he's a little bit older than most of the players now, so he will tire quicker than the player he's marking, and the the player will just start to get better towards the end of the game. Whereas if you can bring him in. With full throttle, full uh, tank of gas, see out the game. Um, I think 
looking at it as well, David, I think that the defenders are going to have their hands full, but they're going to have to do a really good man-marking jobs, whoever's given them. Mm, they will, of course, yeah. I'd be confident after seeing them on, on Sunday that all six can perform well again. I actually think if we if we run at Donegal, we can cause them problems like we did with Tipperary on Sunday. Um, Kyogans, Squealer Kane, uh, Seamus Lavin and James McEntee. And get Killian O'Sullivan running from deep as well if, if he does play. Uh, that could be the key to unlocking the door to beating Donegal for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think you're right. I think if they the only thing is that the Donegal will have a mass defence, so mm. it's moving the ball at speed and then running yeah, at them yeah. when you get the ball into It'd the forward. It'd be interesting. I think under Rochford they're going to move away from that blanket defence, and Declan De- Bonner didn't have a blanket defence really last year. Yeah, they've moved away from that. They're I don't know what games you were watching. <laughs> I, I, I watched a good few of them. They're playing a much more expansive football than they were under Jim McGuinness and definitely oh, yeah. under Rory Gallagher. It's 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 very Dublin esque. So it is. They get players back, but they can they can break out at pace, and they do they do have the players to to um, to do that. Like, well, I, I definitely don't think they it. operate a blanket. <laughs> hmm? They definitely don't operate a blanket to me. They transition well, but I wouldn't call it a blanket. Right, more like a quilt, a quilt. I was just going to say it's more like <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a flannel sheet that's all it is but, uh, I think the quilt is better quilt defense, uh. <laughs> the quilt defence um, it's padded but look um, uh, that's it for this week I suppose um, thanks again lads for coming in and doing the podcast um, really insightful one this week we've got all the stats and everything we've got all the players have been uh, rated out of 10 as well so they'll all be uh, looking to get their scores up next week it's a massive game for Mead against uh, Donegal on the weekend. If we can get a result there, come away with something from Bally Buffet. That game on Saturday at 7pm, as I said, in Bally Buffet. If we can get something from that, it'll be a massive result for Mead. Again, we want to thank Ryan's Bar here in Navin for allowing us to come in and do the podcast here. And great hospitality as always. And remember, we are Mead. Why? It matters more. <laughs>